friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Blue Jays trading Teoscar Hernandez for guys most Jays fans do not know. It's kind of sort of hijacked the show, but in a good way. This one should be fun. Kevin Mickey is here and compiling <laughs> your reaction as we speak after handing over his coffee cup no. to Sebastian Morin, camera operator. No. You're on camera. <laughs> That's right, kids. You tried to deny that. You tried to lie no, to Canada. I'm, it's fine. I'm professional. We're real human beings who like to drink liquids before the show. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a professional. I just professionally suck at doing this and <laughs> I professionally continue to not do it well. Uh, Mickey, after saying that he's a bad professional, is going to get your reaction. That's I right, will. kids. As always, you will get your say live and in real time at Tim and Friends on Twitter so long as Elon lets us. And then we'll bring some of those questions to the general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. That's right. Ross Atkins is going to join us at just after 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. So tell your friends, tell a whole bunch. Ross Atkins in about an hour right here on Tim and Friends. And it's not just Jays talk today. No, we're going to get to some pretty significant rumors with the Ottawa Senators and the Calgary Flames. As Elliot Friedman joins us in the opening hour, too sweet to be sour, we'll also get to the return of the Grote in Toronto. We're talking the greatest Raptor of all time, Kyle Lowry with another Philly legend, Alvin Williams, coming up in a flash. But Mickey, we get the first crack at this Jays deal. Let's give the folks what they want. The biggest news of the day and first things first. So what's the plano, Francisco Liriano? I see what you've done there. I understand. Trades. That's correct. Trade. That is correct. That's right. Trades. Put it all together. Cups. Okay. The Toronto Blue Jays, in case you haven't heard, made a trade. First big move of the offseason today. They send Teoscar Hernandez to the Mariners in exchange for right-handed reliever Eric Swanson, left-handed pitching prospect Adam Mako. Teoscar, he spent the last six seasons with the Jays. He won two Silver Slugger awards. He was also an all-star in 2021. He's entering his final year of arbitration before he will hit free agency after this coming season. Swanson, he's 29 years old. He had a 1.68 ERA in 57 games for the M's last season. He's only going to make $1.4 million this season. 21-year-old Mako, he was born in Slovakia, mm -hmm. but moved to Alberta with his family as a teenager, a Slovakian-Canadian Blue Jay. He struck out 60 batters in 38 and a third in high A last year. He was ranked as the number eight prospect in the Mariners organization. Jays GM Russ Atkins addressed the move a short time ago. The thing that's been so uh, exciting about Teoscar is the level of joy uh, that he plays with and the smile that he brings to this game, what that means for the Toronto Blue Jays, what that means for his teammates and, and the clubhouse has been significant. He's also been extremely productive, especially over the last three years. He's been a big part of our transition and towards contending, and and he will be missed. We got to the point where, um, you know, we felt like the acquisitions on the run prevention side would help us. It does create some flexibility for us as well, uh, in terms of resources and, uh, you know, thinking about where we had depth. There was an opportunity to move. There was a a pretty 
decent market for Teo, as you would expect. And so we the opportunity made sense for both teams. How do you see your outfield at this point with Teo Oscar gone? Is that, a, is that something you identify as a clear need? How, how would you uh, assess that? I see it more of an opportunity. We have five players that we feel very good about going out there on a uh, regular to semi-regular basis, obviously with, with George and Lourdes feel very good and feel like there's opportunities with uh, Whit Merrifield, with Kevin Biggio. Uh, there's, there's going to be playing time with the, with the group that hit is here already, but there are opportunities to add to our team there via trade, trade and free agency. And we're in a better position to do so now uh, from a resource and from a, uh, you know, just playing time and recruitment standpoint. Hmm. One of the questions we'll throw at Mr. Atkins when we talk to him just after 6 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, Timmy, we also are going to get to your reaction in just a moment. But Mm -hmm. first, we want to get to the reaction like Timmy teased. We're going to get the reaction of you, the fans and the friends of Tim and Friends. So we sent out a tweet earlier in the day announcing the trade. And we said, what do you think, Jays fans? And let me tell you something, Jays (laughs) fans, they certainly did think. They had a lot of thoughts. We're going to start with this. A lot of the reason is because I love the... uh, the at is at 44 bags of Doritos. Sure. Of course. Uh, he says, good trade. Toronto needs a bullpen. Teo is gone after this upcoming season. Frees up $15 million in cash space. Getting some decent, getting something decent for him isn't a bad move. And then he reckons, harkens back to Josh Donaldson. Remember how they kept JD past his expiry date and got a bag of balls for him. So this is the optimistic side of Blue Jays' Twitter. We're going to go down the rabbit hole a little bit further. Mark, this is the first chip that has been played. Let's see what the rest are to be all in. It is the entire picture, not just a piece. Wait and see. We keep moving. Super bummed out. Teo was my man crush. I think all Jays fans can agree we're going to miss that glorious smile, says Bears fan. And then below that, Kimmy Baby says, oh, that glorious smile, those homers, that positivity. I'm so, so sad. Yeah, I saw a lot of that today. We move from sad to quite dejected and pessimistic. Jays lose this in easily, says Mike T. Should have gone more back than got a, more back than a player and prospect. Not going to commit to getting a starter, a number one reliever. Kiss the playoffs goodbye next year too. Wow. We keep going. How about Adam? Atkins should be fired for this trade, okay. says Adam. Maybe I'll bring that up to him as well. And finally, Tim, at Darburner1, says please get Atkins on the show and tell him Sorry. he sucks. Did you just did you just read a guy whose handle is actually burner? Yep. <laughs> so so it's his burner. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he had something to say, so let's see. He, we, let's get Dub Burner on the on the show. Uh, and I, he wanted Ross Atkins on the show, yeah, and at least we've delivered that for We're going to get Ross Atkins on the show. This one is not going to be easy. I understand that because in reading the headline and not a lot else, which is what we do very often in mm-hmm. 2022, the headline is clear. Fan favorite, big smile, all-star, two silver sluggers, 57 bombs in the last two years for a reliever that most of y'all have never heard of. I get it. I swear I do. But let me at least try and do my job. Let me at least try to explain. Then you can tell me where to go. Four quick hitters. One, the Jays aren't done. Two, the balance of the lineup means something. A lefty or two. Three, the balance of the books means something, even without a salary cap. And finally, this is as much about George Springer than it is about Teoscar Hernandez, Kevin. Mm-hmm. 
Listen, if you watch this show regularly, you know that we focus on real-ish, not just the hot takes for clicks. This deal starts dominoes in Toronto. Listen, we've been talking about Springer going to a corner outfield spot since injury number two or three, and this deal opens that up for the Jays. It gives them a chance to add a center fielder and perhaps maybe even a left-handed bat to the lineup. To judge this trade right now is like grading someone's rough draft like it's a complete paper it's november we're not even close to the start of the new season so eric swanson even though most of you have never heard of him is a wonderful value a really good bullpen arm last year that makes around as you mentioned for 1.4 million dollars and he's got a pretty damn good looking baseball savant page as tweeted by Ben Nicholson-Smith. It does look pretty nice. So it's 1.4 for Swanson. And Teoscar is projecting around 14 and a half. So right there, there's $13 million in cold hard cash. Now, Bo and Vladdy are sitting there. They're going to eat some of that, a lot of that. And God forbid either of them signs a long-term deal. It'll be oh, 20 times that. But we'll ask Ross Atkins about that as well. Good idea. But my job is to put two and two together and come up with four. Tapia DFA'd, Zimmer, well, he's Zimmer, and he was DFA'd. <laughs> You're not going into the season with Springer, Guriel, Biggio, or Merrifield. If you are, then fire away at Shatkins, Jays fans. You've got my blessing. Do all you want. But my two and two would suggest to you that the Jays are going to add. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's in center field. Is, is the Pirates' Brian Reynolds available? Arizona's got a surplus of left-handed hitting players. Is the versatile Dalton Varsho available? Brandon Nimmo is a free agent. Jay said to be interested. Hell, is there a Cody Bellinger deal to be had here? I get it. Well-liked guy in the clubhouse. Well-liked guy in the fan base. Setter of a tone. Smiling face. And while he improved in the field, I can't help but feel a lot of people who are screaming here we're also screaming when we did the post game late in the season and Teo allowed Randy Arozarena to score from first on a single to left or had one of his near trademark base running faux pas. Listen, I, I hate to do this, but you can't have your cake and eat it too. If you want accountability and you want bullpen help, you can't just throw money at the problem. Sometimes you got to make tough decisions, and this is one. I understand there is a lot here and people are going to remain pissed no matter what I say. And if the Atkins and Shapiro combination is done for the offseason, like I said, fire away. But I beg of you, one, just because you don't know the guy doesn't mean it's not a good deal. <laughs> like, don't make no. me go yeah, back yeah. and read the feedback on Teoscar when the Jays got him. That turned out to be a pretty good deal. Francisco Liriano, half a year of him. For what turned out to be Teoscar Hernandez, nice deal. I was going to say, it might be one of the Shatkins best deals. Oh, so without far. it, might be the best, one of the best deals in, in franchise history. Yeah. Jose Batista is a pretty good deal. Yeah. There was a whole Tony Fernandez, Fred, Roberto Alomar, yeah. yeah, Joe yeah. Carter thing. Uh, and, and two, don't grade the incomplete paper. Like, I got a feeling something else is around the corner or in dead center, if you will. But, Mickey, don't grade the incomplete paper. And there are a lot of fans that are currently reserving their judgment. There are a lot of fans, though, who are out for blood immediately. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that that is a reflection of a lot of this tenure of how they came in and people still are bitter about how Alex Anthopoulos left. They haven't let that go. But for the people that are reserving their judgment, the dominoes will start to fall. What do we think the next domino is? I mean, I, I guess we're talking about those outfielders that we talked about. I think there's a, there's a starter or two in the mix as well. Like, they're not even close to done. If, they, if they're done, then they have completely mismanaged this offseason. Oh, yeah. I think you're going starter, and I think there's another outfield piece to fall here, and I wouldn't be surprised if that outfield piece isn't a significant piece that can play some center field. That's, that's the way I envision it, and that's the way I, I thought I laid it out as well. We tweeted out a little teaser of our interview with Ross Atkins, and one of Atkins' quotes that stood out to you and I as he was chatting with us was the fact that he said, we aren't done here. They're going to make additions to this team. So I would say that we're going to take him at his word at this point, that they aren't done yet. You mentioned a couple of outfield replacement suggestions. Is there one that you like over the other? I feel like this is a leading question. How so? <laughs> I feel like you have a couple of ideas on some of the names that I threw out there. No, I, I'm legitimately wondering. You well, I threw out Reynolds. I threw yeah. out Nimmo. I threw out. There was a bunch Marshall, of guys. That, yeah. yeah. I, is is there? If you had to pick one of those three right now, and we're not limiting this to just three players, because there's they're they're going to expand the search big time. I, I do think that Nimmo is going to be really expensive, given the fact that there is a very thin outfield class. Yes. in this free agent group. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I even chatted with, oh, look, there's the notable outfield free agents I'll right on your screen right now. I even chatted with Shai Davidi earlier on in the day, and you can find that conversation on Sportsnet's Twitter account, by mm-hmm. the way. Little plug. Uh, and he even mentioned that Nimmo is going to be maybe a tad too expensive for this Blue Jays team. So does that mean Aaron Judge is a little too expensive? Right, well, you can sign him for less than Nimmo, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big yeah, time. Nimmo, Judge. Ben Intendi's a guy that a lot of people have thrown out over the last couple very of interesting, yeah. years. Very interesting, There's a lot of just very interesting candidates. Even somebody like Kevin Kiermeyer as a depth piece. You hope that he is not starting 162 games for you, but Kiermeyer is a depth piece. Uh, an upgrade on what Bradley Zimmer was last season. Somebody who can run on the base pass. A defensive replacement as well. Yeah, but I think they're looking for more. I think they're looking for a oh, real left-handed time. bat. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we've talked a lot about Tay Oscar. We haven't talked a lot about Swanson other than giving you his baseball savant page and what sort of action he can bring to the back end of the bullpen. Uh, where, do you, where do you think he fits in with this pen? This, this, is, this to me feels like an Anthony Bass, and I know for some people that's a rip, but it's not. Pitched to a sub-2 ERA last year. I know that Seattle's bullpen was pretty deep. I know he wasn't their main go-to guy out of that bullpen. But anyone who pitches in the major leagues regularly to a less-than-2 ERA is pretty damn good. And I tried to say the exact same things about Anthony Bass. And a lot of people only remember the Anthony Bass that they saw in the postseason Mm -hmm. because they didn't watch the end of the regular season. But anyone who did knows that the Bass pickup was good. And I think that this pickup is good, too, if he can keep up what he did last year. He had a decent year the year before, a wonderful year last year. You hope that it's the wonderful year that you get next year when it comes to Swanson. So I looked at the leverage index Mm -hmm. that is on Fangraphs. Fantastic resource, by the way. And, And that kind of measures where a pitcher was used in the game and how effective they would have been in that situation. When it comes to our friend Swanson, his leverage index 
would rank sixth on the Mariners, meaning that he was the sixth man out of the bullpen most often, mm-hmm. or he was used in the... It's hard to quantify this, but ahead of him were players like Andres Munoz, Diego Castillo, Paul Seawald. Yeah, they had a great bullpen. They had a really good bullpen. So my point here is this. He wasn't tested too, too often in high leverage situations. Right. But given the stuff that he has, given his his stats, his sub two ERA, it seems like he's going to be thrust into high leverage situations quite often, Tim. Yeah, I don't know if you can tell that right now, not to disagree with you, but I think that he's another option out of the pen. Like, I'm not going to pencil him for Jimmy Garcia's role. I'm not going to pencil him in for Anthony Bass's role. Mm-hmm. I think what you try to compile is a bunch of guys who can come in and get outs, and then you figure out as the season goes along what they – no one knew Jordan Romano, speaking of leverage, would be the guy that he turned out to be at yeah. the start of last year. Yeah. So what you do with the bullpen is you acquire talent and you hope that that talent works out. I don't know if you know where he'll fit in leverage-wise. And I also know that the only reason why you get a guy like this is because someone has a surplus of talent. And I don't know that you would get anyone higher on that list four or three or two for Teoscar Hernandez right now. Which is- and that's why the Jays got your boy, got. Ron Swanson. <laughs> I was about to say Swanson TV dinners. <laughs> hey, how are you? Teoscar, a lot of the responses that we got to our tweet was people saying, like I mentioned, they're going to miss his smile. They're going to miss his personality in the dugout. Always smiling. They called him Mr. Seeds because he's, you know, the Spitz market is going to crash because Teoscar's not in Toronto anymore. Uh-huh. How are you going to remember Teoscar Hernandez? Uh, I think we tweeted it out. Oh, let's take a look. If you haven't figured it out yet, that is his walk-up song. Yeah. Uh, And I was upstairs when they were cutting that today, and that song has been stuck in my head all day. (laughs) Can can you sing any of it? That's about all I know. (laughs) Hey, I got a 7 out of 20 from the Sheepdogs yesterday for my singing ability. (laughs) So I'll be taking that home. I was setting you up for the end of week shot there. I I know you were. I know you were. I was setting you up there. So is is there any more coming in? Obviously, uh, this is one of the things that brings in the most feedback whenever something like this happens. Tons and tons and tons. Do you have any more that you want to get to, or shall we do a little bit more a little later on in the show? Maybe after we talk. Ross Atkins. Let's do it then. Let's do it then. And for now, I think because we are, there's so much to get to this day, including more Jay's talks, so we'll get to more tail reaction. But in the meantime, you can uh, write into at Tim and Friends and let us know what you think of the deal because I'm going through everything over here. But for now, we're going to switch gears to hockey. Just three games in the NHL this evening after a busy night on Tuesday. Stuart Skinner is going to get the start for a second straight game as the Edmonton Oilers host the LA Kings. Viewers in the Edmonton region can see it on Sportsnet West. 8 local time, 10 Eastern. Meanwhile, the Ottawa Senators host the Sabres on Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. Ottawa? It's not looking too good lately. They've lost eight of their last nine games. Pierre Dorian, sends GM, made some headlines at yesterday's GM meeting saying that he is, quote, very active. 
quote. On the trade market, what does this mean for the struggling senators? Well, of course it means the return of Eric Carlson. Indeed. <laughs> In oh, indeed. Boy. Immediately indeed. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> I mean, listen, Mike Greer said he's listening on the Sharks defenseman, but there's no way that Eric Carlson could go back to Ottawa after all this. And he does hold the keys because he has a no-trade clause. But there's no way, after all that transpired on his way out, that Eric Carlson could go back to Ottawa, is there? There's a, it's a new day. Yes, it is in Ottawa. There's new ownership coming, at least. Uh, there, there's a new mentality behind the front office. They're out to spend money. They're out to win. The door is open. Why wouldn't he come back right now? other than the reasons you just mentioned. <laughs> uh, there's some cap crunch. I don't know what they're going to do with Artem Zub. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, assuming that they want to sign Alex Dupringat to a long-term deal. I mean, there's a lot of things probably standing in the way of Eric Carlson going back to Ottawa. But it would be wonderful just to pontificate what the idea would be of Eric Carlson with some sort of return trip to our nation's capital to bring mm -hmm. him back to the glory that they kind of sort of had when he was there five years 11 and a half per on his contract remaining so Mike Greer you'd think is gonna have to eat some of that contract if they're going to deal him away well he's got 10 goals and 24 points leading all NHL defensemen right now I know it hasn't been like that for the last little while but he is the, if you were ever to trade and listen San Jose is rebuilding it's obvious to everyone looking in they're not in the place to maximize uh, Eric Carlson contract at eleven and a half million, uh, they would probably have to eat some of that deal yeah. to get the kind of deal that they would want back, which would be some sort of prospects and or uh, draft capital. If they were just looking to get a contract off the books, then maybe they wouldn't eat it, yeah. but I think they want something back. That means they'd have to eat some contract here. But that's a real interesting one. I know there aren't a lot of defensemen out there right now to, ha to, to have. Like the Leafs are looking for a defenseman. Yeah. The Sens are looking for a defenseman. The, the Canucks are looking for defensemen. There are a bunch of teams looking for defensemen, and all you can see is John Klingberg and maybe Eric Carlson. Jacob Chikrin. Jacob Chikrin, yeah. of course, is the one that everyone has been – in he's, on and uh, waiting yeah. for. He's been the last like two years. Right. It seems like he's been about to move. Uh, Craig Anderson, also former senator, returning. Speaking of former senators, mm -hmm. Tim, Matt Murray comes back to Ottawa. Not Ottawa, Pittsburgh. Right. He's still a former senator. He used to play in Pittsburgh. We got, I got there. it. There former go. senator, got former penguin. He went back to Pittsburgh, though, his former, former home, and he played pretty good. He picked up a win for the Toronto well, Maple Leafs. He played really good. He had yeah. 37. What do I mean, you think? Two goals on 37 shots. It's a 9.57 save percentage in his first game since October 12th. His first win with the Leafs. I mean, you got to give the Leafs some credit here. Not only are they 5-1-1 one, one in the month of November, but... Murray played well, and I was all over their defense and goaltending. And when you look at the numbers this year, and specifically in November, they're tied for sixth in goals against average in the month of November. And if you think that's just an anomaly in the entire year, and I give you it is a small sample size, 17 games though, yeah. they're eighth in the NHL in goals against average. And what's even more interesting is they're eighth in the league in goals against average. They're 17th in save percentage, which would suggest to me that they're not giving up 
a ton of shots mm -hmm. and that their defense is actually holding up despite all of the injuries that they have suffered over the last little while. I think it's fourth least amount of shots per game in the NHL, the least you're giving up right now. So you are correct in that assessment. Um, it's it's going to be interesting for the Leafs moving forward because they need that stable goaltending uh, and they need the stable defense in front of them. I just didn't think they, I don't think they thought Jordy Ben was going to be the next reincarnation of Bobby Orr all of a sudden for them though. He, he's not. But, <laughs> no, he's not. And it's damning that he can just jump in and be that praised by their he, fan base. He's, all of a sudden he's top four, almost yeah. top two minutes and he's scoring goals and right. he's everything the team needed. Or he's just a good and suitable replacement for Jake Muzzin while he's out. He's good but they enough probably at the moment. Want to add another piece? Yes, I'd say so. Hey, how about Eric Carlson? Have we talked about him yet? <laughs> yeah, they can fit the eleven and a half million. Yeah, on there. yeah, no problem. No problem. Yeah, lots, lots of problems. Sarcasm. Still to come. Jays GM Ross Atkins will join me after the Jays deal. Teoscar Hernandez for relief help. Elliot Friedman will provide me a little relief as he stops by for three of 32 with lots of juice in and around the NHL. And after the break, Kyle Lowry back in Toronto as the Heat and Raptors square off in the Sportsnet family of channels. Alvin Williams will join us from Scotiabank Arena next. Tim and friends, keep the feedback coming, kids. Keep it coming. Unless your account is burnt or something. When he is on, he is as dangerous as anybody in baseball. Swing and a drive, left field, get up, ball, get out of here, and down. And a swing to the first pitch, and he drills it. Left center field, that ball is gone! The Oscar Hernandez heads west. Have certainly acquired an elite reliever in Eric Swanson. There's probably something else coming. Towards you guys give up the first goal. Just just thoughts on your team's start here so far in the first 15 plus minutes. We suck. We haven't forechecked. We haven't done anything as of right now. What do you want to see differently? Forecheck. Thank you. Back to Ben. For Tavares, losing the slot in, shoots, scores! 400 for John Tavares! And the Leafs have the lead! Greatest Raptor of all time. Oh, yeah. Kyle oh, yeah. Lowe. There's no question about that one. North oh. Philly's finest. Most decorated Raptor. Larry! Why to get up here? He keeps this up. He's going to be prime minister. <laughs> Again, Kyle Lowry has shown up in Oakland. Toronto, Canada, we brought it home, baby. Y'all always will be my brothers. Always. I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Kyle Lowry, the greatest Toronto Raptor in franchise history. I've learned a lot from him. He's grown to be a big brother. Man, he's just a winner. And he's a basketball savant, really. Raptors legend? I mean, like creating a winning culture for the Raptors organization, I mean, I think he means everything. The Groat is back in Toronto, kids. Kyle Lowry and his banged-up Heat facing a banged-up Raptors squad. We'll see who actually plays in this one. Team split a pair of games in Miami earlier this season. You can see it on Sportsnet 1 starting with Raptors Central, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. Lowry, of course, atop the Raptors franchise records in a bunch of categories. And uh, the most important one. A championship ring. He made his first return to Scotiabank Arena last season, but that doesn't make tonight any less emotional for Lowry. 
It's always great to come home. Yeah. It's always great to be here, always great to be in the city. Um, I don't think it gets any easier. Um, I think you get a little bit more comfortable. Last year was definitely a lot of butterflies, but tonight, it, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm sure I'll get a good ovation, but um, it's a little bit different because it's not my first time. I probably, you know, it's a little bit more easing, but it's never really easy. All right, so as the Raptors welcome an old friend and Kyle Lowry back to Scotiabank Arena, I welcome an old friend back from Scotiabank Arena. Good dude, great player, turning into a great broadcaster. Alvin Williams, what's good, Alvin? What's good, my friend? How are you, man? I am very well. How are you? I'm doing well. Right. Can't complain getting ready for tonight's game. I'm, 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 I'm excited, man. Are, are you still excited? I mean... He was just talking, Kyle Lowry was just talking about his, his second return back. I don't think it'll be much different from his first, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, possibly, you know, Kyle is love. He, he brought so much to this city, this country, this organization. So, and the fan base is outstanding. So, you know, the love is going to be there. The excitement is going to be there. So, it's not going to change much. Over time, they probably get a little tired of him. But I think <laughs> he's still going to receive the same type of love. Without a doubt. I still marvel at his journey, Al. As a former pro, like, this dude went from couldn't get it done in the postseason to the greatest Raptor of all time, uh, the guy who set the championship <laughs> culture in place in Toronto, along with the little hat, a little tap, tip of the cap to Dwayne Casey as well. As a former pro, do you know when you're in the game that sometimes the margins are that slim to go from a guy people thought was the reason why you couldn't get over the edge to the greatest Raptor of all time? Now, I, I think as a player, you don't really have time to think about that margin. You, you're thinking about just always getting better. And you're thinking about the next day if you had a bad day. You're thinking about how you can improve or continue to make a mark on, it's, on the game. Kyle was having great uh, regular season games, right? Mm -hmm. Just a whole career, regular season. Then the postseason came, and the narrative became he couldn't deliver. Then you finally deliver. But the whole time as a player, you have to think about this is a process. If you look at all the greats, they had struggles, right, throughout their career, wherever it may be. Mm -hmm. And I think as a fan base and as people from the outside that doesn't have that understanding and they want that result right now, of course, these guys have to, they have to develop. They have to be put in a situation. You look at someone like a Pascal Siakam, right, you start facing criticism because he was having good regular season and postseason and all that stuff. But he's starting to become a player. You have to go through the ups and downs. You have to go through all the trials and tribulations in order to become that great player. Long enough, luckily for Kyle, and fortunately enough, he put himself through a situation where he's going to be able to get through all of those things. And when that opportunity came again, he, took, he made the most of it. His role changed and things like that. But I'll take my hat off to him even for being able to accept a role change, a DeMar DeRozan leaving, a Kawhi Leonard coming, and that uncertainty, what that looked like, and ultimately it became a championship. So the story was written not perfectly, but the outcome was something that you couldn't deny. All right, tough question for you, Al. How much is that learned, and how much of that is already in the dude? That's learned. Yeah. That's learned. Uh, Kyle Lowry, that's learned. Kyle Lowry was one of the most stubborn one of the most, I'm, I'm looking up in the sky now because I don't want to use the wrong words. <laughs> right. and we're on TV. So I, I don't want to say too many things. No, about, I know what you're talking about here. Was, I've been there. Was, I've done that. Yeah. He, he was a tough nut to crack yeah. Like since he was a kid. But those same qualities are the same things that 
made him who he is. And fortunately enough, he started becoming, a, he had an understanding. A lot of people don't get a chance to play in the NBA for 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, going into the 17th year to overcome some of those things. He did a good job of reinventing himself. He took care of himself physically, and then mentally he just started becoming more mature on and off the court. So all of those things came in play for Kyle, but he also had the understanding to surround himself around people that were good influences, that would give him good information and be positive around him. So mixture with his ability to stay around that positive energy and then his own maturity and everything you have to give him total credit for, it just all came together once again for him. I kind of like the credit that I give you for powering through uh, an, an on-camera with Matt Devlin while Kyle Lowry threw a ball at you repeatedly. Um, yeah. Will that happen yeah. today? Do you yeah. have anything yeah. set up so that it won't happen today? Perhaps do you need some bodyguards? Can I come down there in any way, shape, or form? I, I, I would love for you to come down here, but I always say it might happen once, but it won't happen twice. <laughs> if it happens twice, you might have to give me some bail money tonight because I'm going to jail. Because my hip is still hurting from that boy hitting me with that ball about three or four times. I tried to keep my composure, but after a while, I lost it, man. But, yeah, that's, that's my man. He's the only one that probably can get away with that, he and DeMar. But um, you might have to give me some bail money tonight because I'm, I'm going to do something ter drastic to this kid. Well, there might, be, there might be a bunch of dudes that can bail you out because – Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., questionable. I don't know what big is going to play for the Heat. They are remarkably banged up as well. Nick Nurse is going to speak in about seven minutes' time, so, so we might hear in a little bit. But I was wondering at the start of the year, Al, about the point guard depth on this Raptors squad. And the team told me that was antiquated terminology and that they had enough offensive initiators that could get the job done. But with all these injuries, Delano Banton... Uh, steps in a career-high 25, excuse me, a career-high 27 against the Pistons. Now, Detroit and Miami are a little bit different, but what do you want to see from Delano that proves maybe he can start taking those next steps? Just consistency. When you're young, this is his second year, his minutes aren't there. So you're not going, you can't expect him to go out and get 27 points. You know what it honestly looked like to me? Mm -hmm. He had the forget it button. Like, he, he forget everything else. I'm going to just go out here and play. I'm going to enjoy the game. I'm going to be decisive. I'm going to be aggressive when I get my opportunities because the minutes are there. As a young player, all you can ask for is the minutes and opportunities. If you don't get it, now you have to do the things off the court. You have to go to practice. You have to put more time in. And obviously, he put, put himself in a position where he was ready for that Detroit game. Indiana, he played well. OKC, not as good. But I think all you need to look for for Delano is the consistency. And when you're in there, you're managing the game. You're still doing your strength. You're moving without the basketball. You're guarding. You're not hurting the team. And then when your opportunities come to make a shot, to make a play, make sure you're ready for that. And that's when the, that's when the, off, that's when the practice time come in. That's when your scrimmages come in and practice. Sometimes you don't get a lot of those times mm -hmm. during the season. So he's in a tough position. But the only thing I really look for is him just being consistent and managing the game, not making those mistakes out there on the floor. If you have eight minutes or ten minutes, you're not going to get 36 minutes with, it, with a full roster. But when you do get those minutes, the coach has enough confidence and trust in you that you can be put in different situations. And now your reputation has start to grow. Now teams that guard you differently they give you more respect and right. that'll ultimately open it up for your top gun so right. I think he, he's, he's in a good position to me he's been playing well since the preseason 
up and down minutes is very tough for a young player to adapt to that. Right. But I think he's on the right track. All right, speaking of young players, before I let you go, I've seen a lot of tweets about Scotty Barnes' last five games. What's your take on the sophomore and whether or not you're seeing a jinx or you're seeing something different? <laughs> no, it's just you got, got to figure it out. Right now, he's going through, I'm sure, and I don't know him, I haven't talked to him. Emotionally, he's going through things. Psychologically, he's going through, th going through things, trying to figure it out. I'm sure he wants to play better. I'm sure, I'm sure he wants to do some things differently on the floor. But you're playing against other NBA players, the best 450 players in the world, supposedly, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to figure it out. Game plan. So sometimes it's not just going to be on Scotty. It's going to be your Freds. It's going right. to be Nick Nurse. It's going to be the coaching staff to try to put him in positions better. And then he has to make sure he's doing his job when he gets those opportunities. But for the most part, he has to control his emotions. I, that's the one thing I see out here. You can tell he has a frustration level because I'm seeing him bigger at the referees a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, his emotions are high, which is understandable. But that's the one thing he can control. Control your emotions and your energy level, and then everything is to come up, come back together because he has too much game. He has too many skills, and he has the he has the ability to be a great player. He showed it already. So I think just control the things that he can control and go out and play the game that you love. I'm going to turn the ringer on my phone, Alvin. If you need me, text me. You know I always got your back, right? <laughs> Hey, 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 I need you ASAP. If I if I beep you, yeah. if I beep you and put 911, you know old school, I need what, you right yeah, away. Yeah, what, what is this, 1999? What are you, what are you talking about? You're yeah, going to beat hey, me? man. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I beat you, beep you on your hip, right. I need you there. 911, I need All you right, right there. I'll, ASAP, don't call me, just come. I, I'll, I'll check my Motorola two-way later, okay? <laughs> for sure. And there is Alvin Williams down at Scotia Bank Arena getting you set for a game that you can watch in Sportsnet 1 coming up. Raptor Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. On the other side, we'll catch up with Elliot Friedman. Plenty of buzz around the NHL, plus visits with Kyle Bukowskis in Ottawa, Gene Principe in Edmonton. A busy addition of Tim and Friends continues, which will include Ross Atkins of the Toronto Blue Jays. Coming up, don't you dare miss it. Don't. Nine games in the NHL last night, three including the Sens and Sabres on Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey tonight. Otherwise, it would be a bad name for the program. Sens were a part of Elliot Friedman's 32 thoughts after Pierre Dorian was a prime target of the GM meetings. Now, 32 would take way too long, as Elliot knows, so we go with three of 32. Brought to you by GMC and the new Sierra AT4X. Fridge joins us now, and our, our NHL insider is actually our NBA insider. What did you say just before we came back from break? Well, my, my NBA insiderness was reading Eric Smith's Twitter. He <laughs> says that Van Vliet is playing tonight, but Trent is still out for the Raptors. There you go. Uh, so Trent, I'm a, I'm a crossover superstar. Van yes. Vliet in Elliot Friedman breaking news off of the internet from Eric Smith's Twitter. All, all right, let's start with the Sens because I know you are one of the insiders here. Um, it feels like chicken or bust to a lot of the fans in Ottawa when it comes to adding something on defense. But they're not the only one looking at a D-man right now, are they? No, there's a lot of teams looking for defensemen right now. And, you know, the one thing I will say is is name a defenseman that could be available. I think the Ottawa Senators have looked into it. I, I think they've tried everything they can to try to get somebody. And I thought it was really interesting yesterday that after the GM meeting, the Senators representative, Pierre Dorian, said that maybe 
He, he said maybe the answer's from within. Jake Sanderson looks like he's a hell of a player. Jacob Bernard Docker played pretty well the other night in the loss to the Islanders. And maybe that's what he does. Maybe he turns it over to the kids. Uh, I think he's still going to keep trying. You know, I, I know there's there's been a lot of talk all of a sudden because Mike Greer discussed it yesterday yeah. with Eric Carlson. I, I do think, as I said with Merrick today, I do think the Sanders and Sharks talked about it. I just don't see a, an easy path there at all, uh, Tim. I think it's. I think it would be very hard for the Sanders with some of the contracts that they've given and some of the contracts still to come to be able to afford Carlson's number. So I'm not counting on that. You know, I also do think the Sanders uh, were pretty far down the road on something and it, it didn't work out because the player, like there's a lot of players in this league with all the Canadian teams on their no move clause, on their no trade clauses, right? Right. And this was a situation, I believe, where that came up. So I think he's still trying to look. I'm, I'm still not convinced it's Chikrin for them. Maybe that changes, but in the past, the two of them were not a match, the, the Coyotes and the uh, Sanders on the trade watch. But maybe it is the kids. Maybe Sanderson and Bernard Docker get the opportunities. And like I said, they're both really talented guys. And that Sanderson in particular looks like a hell of a player. I mean, listen, Carlson's ticket is, is not cheap. Um, is there nope. any way that Mike Greer might eat some money on this in order to accrue some talent back the other way? I, I think you're all. I think San Jose recognizes that that would that in. Probably most cases that would have to happen. I think it all comes down to how much you're being asked for, what what other teams are willing to do to ease the burden of you taking more money, things like that. Uh, you know, I, I think that all of that can be negotiated. But my short answer would be yes, I think they would be. The question is how much and what they would ask for in exchange for eating more of it. So is John Klingberg another name out there? John Klingberg is definitely another name out there. When he signed a one-year deal with the Anaheim Ducks, I think there was always a belief that he was going to be a rental for them this year. I don't think that's changed at all. You know, one of the teams that looked really hard at Klingberg in the offseason last summer was Edmonton. I think he was very seriously engaged in going there. I have said at times I wouldn't be surprised if he still ends up there. But, you know, the, the Leafs are another team that looked hard at Klingberg last year. We'll see where that goes. I know you mentioned the Flames, uh, and and they've scored uh, they scored six times last time out. But is is offense still a concern in Calgary? I still think they're looking for a forward, uh, a top nine forward. But they have been doing that, as I was reminded by someone last weekend. They've been they've been trying that since August, uh, when they made their their big trades and they added Kadri. So I don't think that's a search that's ended. Um, I mean, that game the other night against L.A. was unbelievable. Yeah. Like It's like, like Van Vancouver last night when Buffalo started to come back. I was sitting there like, oh, no, not again for the Canucks. And that one with uh, the Flames on Monday night, they were, they were darn lucky that the Kings didn't tie it. Yeah, Markstrom made a huge save down late. Speaking of goalies, Oilers, other Canadian team in action tonight. Stuart Skinner is starting against the aforementioned Kings. What's the level of concern with Jack Campbell right now in Edmonton, Fridge? It, it's definitely higher than you would like it to be uh, a, a month and a half into his uh, first year with the Edmonton Oilers and the first year of that contract. It's, it's there. You know, Tim, it's, um, I, I think they're worried. They're worried about the way he's played so far. Um, I, I think you have to do what you think is right in terms of getting him back to the level we know he can be at. If that means Skinner gets a run and goal and, and Campbell works on his game in practice, so be it. 
you have to both collect W's and do what's best for your long-term investment. And uh, I can't fault the Oilers for going back with Skinner tonight at all. All right, so his former team, Jack Campbell's former team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, moved on from the keeper. Some were shocked that they uh, ended up giving Matt Murray a deal that they did, um, or at least make the deal for him and give Samson off the deal that they did. Um, mm -hmm. I was all over the Leafs' defense and their goaltending and wondering if this could be a, a real problem long-term for this team. But super stat or meaningless number, Fridge. The Leafs are sixth in the NHL in the month of November in goals against average, and they are eighth through 17 games. Is that a super stat or a meaningless number? It's it's a super stat, uh, Tim, because I, I, I think you know there's been some weird things about watching the Maple Leafs this year, and it's this league is hilarious now like one week it's a five alarm blaze and, it is you know like and you're calling a foam truck to put it out and the next week everybody's in a, in a, in a great mood and it, this happens all over the place it's happened everywhere around but you know the fact is Toronto is not at five on five as good as offensively as it's been in the past but they've had some really good defensive performances like in the second period last night you know, they, they had some bad moments against the Penguins, but generally I thought they were very good last night. You know, I thought they were very good at home against Boston, one of the best teams in the league. I thought they really gutted out the world-winning Carolina 24 hours later. You know, they're, they're not as good as, as they should be yet, um, but I do think they've had some really good defensive performances against good teams where they've played smart. And, and I think... It's not only the goaltending. I think their team defense has gotten a little bit better this month, and I think they've earned those numbers. Now they've got to stay with it, but this month I do think it's a very real stat that they have earned. Okay, so everyone recognizes that like through 15 to 20 games in the NHL, there have been ridiculous highs and lows, and a lot of this has to do with the flat cap. No team has depth. Is there any any concern from the league office about any of this and maybe providing some sort of relief to the teams, whether it be with a small luxury tax, whether it be with being able to spend money when you had nothing, eh? Zero. No, you know, you know, Tim, like I, I like I'm with you on this. I would love to see a luxury tax system in the NHL. I, I think it's the best thing that could happen. But, you know, there's a reason why franchise values go up, and that's because of the cost certainty. And, right. Uh, at the end of the day, that's a system that they fought hard for, and they're not going to change it. Now, the one thing I think you know it was interesting is this year, uh, on the uh, early like last month at the Board of Governors meeting, uh, Commissioner Bettman came out with the surprise statement that the cap could go up by four million next year, and we weren't expecting that. We were right. expecting another million raise. He said the same thing yesterday to the general managers. They're still hopeful that they could get a four million dollar cap raise. Not everybody is convinced. We'll see. Um, you know, I think it would help if maybe Toronto won a couple of playoff rounds. The New York Rangers won a couple of playoff <laughs> rounds, so those high-revenue teams moved on. But, um, you know, like, I think that's the relief that's going to come that everybody is hoping for, whether it's this summer or next summer. Elliot Friedman from the Compound in the Greater Toronto Area. More 32 Thoughts interviews are available on the Sportsnet YouTube channel. Elliot and Jeff talk to Kelly McCrimmon on the podcast. Find it all wherever you get your pods and beyond. Thank you, Fridge, for doing this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to your, your convo with uh, Ross Atkins coming up in a couple of minutes. Oh, nice. I booted, I... Off my, 
I got booted off my regular time slot for uh, for the GM of the Blue Jays. Yeah. I think that's a joke, really. <laughs> you, you did, but you are sticking around for it, and we hope that yes, others I'm will watch as it. well. Uh, all right, there is Elliot Friedman who moves for us. We thank him for that after the break. As mentioned, perfect tease from Elliot. He knew he was doing. He's a TV guy. Ross Atkins, general manager, Toronto Blue Jays, fresh off of dealing Teoscar Hernandez to the Mariners. What's the biggest priority now? We'll discuss with them next, right here on Tim and Friends. Free to stand. Time for real sports talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you, musical band who made the theme for his sheep dogs. Back here for another half an hour on Tim and Friends. Kyle Bukaskis and Gene Prince coming up in mere moments from now, as will Jay's GM Ross Atkins after swinging the big deal of the day. That's right, kids. Blue Jays have traded Teoscar Hernandez to the Mariners in exchange for righty reliever Eric Swanson and prospect Canadian kid Adam Macko. Swanson had a 168 ERA in 53 innings for the Mariners last season, while Teoscar departs with one year left in his contract after five and a half pretty nice seasons with the Toronto Blue Jays. Again, Ross Atkins on the way in minutes. On the ice tonight and on the Sportsnet family of channels, Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey is on Sportsnet. Lots of buzz in Ottawa with recent comments from Pierre Dorian and a team struggling at the start of the season after what was a pretty good offseason. Always promising when we get to visit with Kyle Bukaskis, who is standing by live in Ottawa. What's going on, Kyle? Yeah, Tim, well, as you know, it's the second time in as many weeks that Pierre Dorian has come to the defense of his head coach because really, I mean, you could make the argument that they have been in, the Senators have, every game that they have lost, all of them either by a goal or only by a couple because of empty netters. You know, DJ doesn't have an issue with the effort. He's a big believer in analytics, too, and he maintains that the underlying numbers suggest that things are bound to change here soon, but at a certain point, I mean, their record just can't be ignored. One win in their last nine, so they have really no choice but to try to begin turning things around here tonight against the Sabres, a team that have scuffled in their own right. They have lost six in a row. This is actually Craig Anderson's first time back in the Canadian Tire Centre here tonight since he left the organization back in 2020, but because he played last night against Vancouver, he will be backing up Eric Comrie in this one. But you know, Tim, that he will get a very warm ovation here from the home crowd to him okay. being the all-time leader, the franchise leader in victories from the goal out. Tim? Without a doubt, uh, wonderful information, wonderful hair, mustache. Eh, thank you very much, Mr. Bukaskis. There's Kyle Bukaskis in you. Ottawa. Anytime. Elsewhere, Oilers hosting the Kings. See that one regionally on Sportsnet West. Stuart Skinner gets the start once again for the Oilers. Oh, the struggling Jack Campbell on the bench. For more on this one, Gene Principe in Edmonton. Gino. Tim, the Edmonton Oilers home from a road trip in which they finished 2-2, two and two, and now they have two games at home before going back out on the road. Tonight, they take on the LA Kings, a team that is currently ahead of them in the standings in the Pacific Division, but didn't finish ahead of them in last season's playoffs. LA had a 3-2 series lead on Edmonton, but the Oilers battled back and eventually won the series in seven games. That was a good series we had against them, and uh, 
I mean, I'm sure they're pretty upset with the turnout that, that happened for them. And so, uh, yeah, you can expect that. Any team coming in, but especially a little added motivation for them. I think both teams are excited. Um, first first time playing each other in, in a couple months. Uh, obviously, it was a, a great, great series and, and um, you know, very heated. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think there's always a little... Uh, Maybe a little extra rivalry, um, yeah, feelings going on when when you play a team for the first time after after you eliminated them from the playoffs. So uh, should be should be a good game. One of the developing storylines in that series between LA and Edmonton was the lower body injury to Leon Drysaddle, who was uh, basically playing on one leg, but he played on that one leg through not only the LA series but on to Calgary and then into the Western Conference Final versus Colorado. He said today, Tim, it still hurts him but it hasn't hurt him when it comes to putting up points. Drysaddle second in the NHL and scoring behind, you guessed it, his teammate, Connor McDavid. That's Gene, and I take it back. Kyle, your Movember puts Geno's to shame. It looks like he sells DVDs from a blacked-out window. Ross Atkins joining us in minutes after dealing Teoscar Hernandez to the Mariners for reliever Eric Swanson and a Canadian minor league pitcher. Teoscar spoke with the media as a member of the Mariners just a short time ago. Sorry, Jays fans. I had a, I had a lot of fun uh, in that team, you know. Uh, they have a pretty young talent, talented group. Uh, they're pretty excited to, to play with and uh, uh, I learn a lot from them. Uh, they learn a lot from me, and it's just a special group. You know, they they play with passion. They love the game. They play hard every day, and they just trying to be there for for their teammates every time uh, that we need them. I swear, we're always trying to get you the newsmakers of the day. Just so happens that one of them said yes. Uh, fresh off the Teoscar deal with the Mariners, Jays general manager Ross Atkins joins me now. Ross, thanks for this. Uh, got a few things going today. Yeah, we're always we're always busy. There's always opportunity. Extremely competitive world we're in. But uh, thanks for having me on, Tim. Anytime. I, I do appreciate the time, and I know that the fans also appreciate that you speak to them through us. Um, so, how long was this one in the works? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Teo's, because we've had depth in the area, there's been a lot of teams that have expressed interest in our outfield over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, Teo's market picked up a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and, and certainly into the GM's meetings, there were several teams with, with interest. And, you know, fortunately, things lined up with Seattle. How tough is it to let go of Teoscar? Oh man, they're they're always difficult. There's no easy trade. You, you know, there's there's not much like baseball and just how much time you spend with people, get to know their family, get to know their, uh, you know, everything about them individually, and have a, a very strong bond with Teoscar and feel like I always will. So I know the fans do uh, as well because of that. Obviously, his performance, but the person that he is, the father that he is, that huge smile on his face, I will, I will miss. I know the fans will as well, and and uh, you know, hopefully, this is an opportunity to make our team better. And anytime we have, uh, you know, the, these types of tough decisions, it's always with 
uh, you know, thinking about our future and trying to move things forward and get better in any possible way. We heard a lot from the fans about the smile and the guy and the personality. With the guy who is that well-liked from your fan base, and maybe moreover, that well-liked in your clubhouse as Teo was, did you talk to your player leadership group before making a deal like this? Yeah, we, we're always checking in with our team, with our, you know, with the leadership group and, and beyond to, to get a pulse for opportunities. And, uh, you know, listen, like no one ever wants to see anyone go. Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose there could be exceptions <laughs> to that. But, Understood. You know, like for, for the most part, we have a great group and no one wanted to see anyone leaving that clubhouse. They're extremely tight. Uh, I think, you know, people generally understand where we have depth. Right. What drew you to the return in Swanson and Mako? Well, I think the, you know, the focusing on Swanson initially yeah. because of the impact to our yeah. major league bullpen. We acquired relievers last year to our bullpen and Bass and Pop as well. So now to be adding to Romano and Garcia and Meza and Simber uh, with Swanson, who strikes out both sides of the plate, right-handed, left-handed hitters, has a one of the best above it, or at least we think one of the best secondary weapons in his split finger pitch and uh, is really coming into his own fastball plays. The slider certainly plays really good athlete, incredible person. He knows a lot of the guys in our bullpen as well. So hmm. he knows John Snyder from their days crossing over in the minor leagues. Right. feel like he'll fit in really well. And then with the addition of Mako, uh, it's a you know, up and coming prospect happens to be Canadian, but I uh, feel like the, the arsenal is has the chance to be exceptional. The youth and athleticism on its side. So um, there was a lot to like about the acquisition. Uh, is Mako officially the first Slovakian-Canadian you've ever traded for? That would be accurate. <laughs> All right. So are you comfortable with your bullpen right now, given the pieces that you've added over the last year and a half? Yeah, we are, but we'll we'll continue to work on We'll continue to see where there's opportunity and see if there's an opportunity, whether it be big impact or or moving the needle um, you know, in a less significant way, we'll definitely be open to it. This adds some payroll flexibility. How attractive was that to you? It wasn't needed, but it's powerful. Uh, you know, anytime you have flexibility, and it's not, you know, we've had incredible support. And anytime there's been opportunities, there's always, within reason, there's always been great dialogue and, and just, been, like I said, just incredible support. But this gives us more flexibility given the strategy that we started the year with right i've wondered aloud a couple of times if george springer would be moved to a corner spot or right field does this open up that opportunity for you you know i would we don't think of it as opening up that opportunity we think of it as opening up more opportunity for us because george can play center so uh you know it allows us to think about a pure center fielder uh, if he goes to right, it allows us to think about more of a corner bat. It allows us to think about complementary players. As you saw, we built a roster last year. And we also feel good about the additions of Nathan Lucas. Obviously, with Maryfield a year ago, he was incredible for us down the stretch. And Kevin Biggio's versatility. So we have, we're at a good starting point. There will be opportunities to improve it. 
and there's there's decent there are there's a decent market out there for us already. Okay, so I, I've already said on the show that that sometimes we are asked in this business to grade incomplete papers, and I feel like in November it's a bit of an incomplete paper. You have a lot of off season to work with, but would you be comfortable going into the season or even being you know a contender this year with an outfield combination of Springer, Gurriel, and a combination of Merrifield? Uh, Biggio and Lucas? Well, I would say this. We're, we are going to make other additions to this team and to this organization. And we, are, we have predominantly been focused on the run prevention side. We're cognizant of the subtraction to our offense at this point with Teo, and there will be opportunities there. We're just thinking of how do we make this 40-man better? How do we make this 26-man better? And it doesn't have to be a center fielder or a right fielder that hits left-handed, but there will be opportunities to consider those factors. Do you believe the balance in the lineup is is an important addition or an important uh, part that you guys need? I do. I do think it is, but it wasn't the issue with our team. Our team right. was, you know, we scored what was it, second most runs or third most runs in baseball, depending. You know, there's there are different ways to measure your offense and feel like we have a an elite offense, even with uh, Teo no longer on it, we're still going to be an above-average offense. But we will look to complement it. I know there will be opportunities there. And we have some players within as well that we're excited about. It's really what we're thinking about is how do we make our 40-man roster and our 26-man roster as good as it can possibly be. Does the future of Bo and Vladdy's ARB or even long-term deals play into this and, and maybe more relevant Ross, uh, this off-season period. Well, every everything is a puzzle, right? Like right. You're, when you're putting a team together, everything matters. Every decision impacts the next decision. Uh, but I would not say this is a significant piece impacting um, our potential progress on those fronts. Uh, and finally, I, I kind of asked at the deadline if you were okay with your organizational depth at starter. And now with Ross Stripling going to free agency, I feel like I ask, have to ask you again. Are, are you comfortable right now with your organizational depth at starter? Well, I, I do think that's a more significant need than the one on the position front. And I, I, that's uh, what I was alluding to with the run prevention, that we'll right. be uh, more focused on that area and ensuring that we're adding in that area. When you sit down in November, like it's not often we get deals in November, obviously going to Vegas, obviously having conversations with people warms things up on the old uh, hot stove. But when you look at the, the entirety of the offseason, is there any break for you guys in the middle of this or is it just go, 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 trying to trying to make the roster the best you possibly can? It, no, we don't have a break. There is there anytime we do, there's something else to be talking about. There's other opportunities to improve your team. You know, our lifespans in these worlds aren't as long as we'd like them to be <laughs> for all. Right. So everyone's exceptionally competitive. Okay, so let me ask you one question, and you can say nothing if it is indeed the answer. But sometimes when I go through Blue Jays Twitter or I see the experts take on a deal. Um, about 24 hours later, 48 hours later, you know, a couple weeks. Hell, when you made the Teoscar move, people didn't really know who Teoscar was, and he turned out to be a guy that people are lamenting that you let go. Is there one part of this deal that you and I haven't talked about that you think is really important that I should bring to the fans? I, I think, listen, there's, 
there's so much to a deal that goes into building an organization. And I, you have asked really good questions <laughs> that, that cover. Uh, you don't have to lie to me. Know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big boy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, like it's, it, for us, it, I think it's best for us as executives to always understand that there's only one thing that matters and it's winning. And that's what we're entirely focused on, and we'll remain focused on that. Uh, Ross, listen, uh, I, I said it before we, we started here. I really appreciate that you join us on busy days like this. I know the fans appreciate it, too. So, so thanks for this, and, and let's talk again soon. All right, Tim, anytime. Have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, Ross Atkins of the Toronto Blue Jays. I know from looking down at my computer as I was talking to Ross Atkins that there was a little bit of feedback. Mr. Mickey, can we bring some of that feedback to the forefront here? Absolutely. Blue yeah. Jays fans, they have opinions and yeah, they, they want us to hear them. We're going to start with one tweet that I found uh, encapsulating of people's emotions today. And it came from CJ. Teoscar Hernandez's last game as a Blue Jay was hitting two homers in a winner go ho game in which Toronto eventually blew and he joins the team that completed the comeback. I'm genuinely sick to my stomach right <laughs> okay. now. But I will, CJ, I will add correct. this to the equation that you have left out, CJ. You're getting a reliever from that team that helped get you through. It takes some, he gets some. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so earlier we did tweet out. We said, uh, uh, what do you think of the deal, Jays fans? And this, uh, we do have some responses that we mentioned. Let's start with Dwayne. Dwayne says, if they sign Nimmo, being Brandon Nimmo, this is a brilliant trade. Hernandez, uh, free agent in a year. We get top-end reliever with three years of control and a much-needed left bat. This team not making World Series without some real lefties in the lineup. I'd say that those are facts. Then we move to Scott. Scott says, as a massive Mariners fan, we haven't heard from a lot of Mariners fans, how they feel about getting Teoscar Hernandez. Mm -hmm. Scott lives in BC. He says that he's super stoked to have Teoscar join the Mariners. His attitude and smile is infectious. He'll fit right in with Julio Rodriguez and the boys. He's pumped. Mariners fans feeling pretty fired up about getting big bopper Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, they added to what they needed the most by giving up what they had the most. Yes, I would say so. Let's do one more and let's go. There's a lot. There is a lot of this. I mean, two quick ones, Dobby. Sorry. Let's do this one. Let's be honest. This is Rogers selling off the roster to pay for renovations, and the oh, brief window of contention has now been closed. There's a lot of these people. Relax. You need to relax here. One more, Timmy, because this well, what one. Do you mean, what do you mean one more? Like I just listened to one of the more ridiculous tweets that I've ever heard in my life. It's thirteen million dollars the difference, and I guarantee you by the end of this, they're going to spend that. They absolutely. Then is that will. person going to tweet back in and apologize for that ridiculous tweet? If they can, if remember, I have if accountability, there's got to be accountability in writing into the show as well. He should be accountable, and he should tweet in. So Michael Peters said, hopefully they don't make uh, next outfield moves. They make the move sooner rather than later, so Blue Jays fans don't have to debate for months whether or not this was a good trade. Wonderbar tweets in and says, Jays will wait just like last year, waiting for Ramirez while all the free agents sign and they settled for the Tapia trade. The Blue Jays will win nothing, absolutely nothing, with Shatkins running the team. Nothing. I mean nothing says Wunderbar. Did he leave out the Matt Chapman part of that equation? He did. Okay. Yeah. Time for one last. I'm not, listen, I, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro have made mistakes. Absolutely. But they also have the team going in the right direction 
and have said what they're going to do all along and kind of sort of followed that path, have they not? Like, I'm not here to apologize for them in any way, shape, or form. Tapia was wrong. The Kikuchi hasn't worked out. The Mitch White didn't work out all that well. And I hope I held them accountable on some of that in the past Mm -hmm. and some of that in the conversation here today trying to get forward. But also, like, it's a team that just made the playoffs. And if you look in Vegas right now, they're top five Mm -hmm. to win the... World Series next year. Yeah, top five odds. Yeah, right. That's right. So, I mean, let's maybe re- just pump the brakes. Let's reserve judgment for just a few more few you, more weeks. You were not pumping the brakes with those tweets. Time for one last break. We'll get, get ahead you fired of, up. Get your game time ahead of Scotch Bank Wednesday Night Hockey right here on Tim and Friends. Game time's next. Here's what we got tonight for your viewing pleasure on the Sportsnet family of channels. The Sabres visit the Sens. Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey. Hockey Central get you set on Sportsnet immediately following this show. Kyle Lowry and the Heat visit the Raptors. That's on Sportsnet 1. And viewers in the Edmonton region can see the Kings and Oilers. Sportsnet West, 8 Mountain, 10 Eastern. we got more basketball later tonight. Warriors and Suns. That should be a lot of fun to watch. But first, it's game time. That is correct, Timmy. It's game time. We focus in on the big games of the night. And we're going to start with the Raptors hosting the Heat this evening. Fred Van Vliet, as you heard, our NHL insider report is back. Elliot Friedman <laughs> told us earlier because he read an Eric Smith tweet. He's back. Uh, after missing the last two games due to an illness, Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua, Gary Trent Jr., Otto Porter Jr., all oots. The Heat also banged up, though. They'll be missing several key players, including Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero this evening. All of those injuries could mean that Miami needs a lot of minutes from Caleb Martin. Martin, he earned a Martin. Earned a one-game suspension for instigating a scuffle with Christian Coloco that spilled into the stands back when these teams met in October. Remember this, people? Timmy, you expect any bad blood this evening? I am I'm a little conflicted here like those two were in the game in Miami. Uh, Caleb Martin wasn't just Coloco. You'll remember he cheap-shotted Scotty Barnes a year ago as well. And I wondered if uh, maybe it was time for a Raptor to step up and do something because this was pretty damn cheap to Scotty Barnes last year. But he did walk back to Coloco. He did Apologize. Apologize, yeah. To Coloco. I don't know if it makes up for two cheap shots, but I will say this. The NBA better watch. Like, I mean, what is going on with the injuries, the load management? You've got Oladipo, Hero, and Bam out for Miami tonight. You know all about the Raptors injuries. Uh, I was just going through other Smart's out tonight. Brogdon's out tonight. Kyrie's day-to-day. Uh, Middleton and Matthews are out for the Bucks. Zion didn't play. Uh... Jokic is out. Doncic is out. Tyrese Halliburton was questionable. Looks like he's going to go. Kawhi is out. Like, you can go through every lineup, and there are massive names out of the lineup or load managing. The NBA's got a bit of a problem here. Yeah, that's that's a problem when superstars are out. That many superstars. That's the base of your product. Uh, In the lineup, Kyle Lowry. In the lineup, Craig Anderson. Uh, he will be back in Ottawa this evening as the Sens host the Sabres. Anderson sends all-time win le- all-time leader in wins. The team will honor him with a video tribute. He's not expected to play yeah, after sucks. getting the start 
last night against the Canucks. Should the Sabres have made sure he got the start in Ottawa? They're too busy worrying about winning right now. I mean, I, he played well against Boston, and they were just looking for a win because they've been on a bit of a slide, too. I think Buffalo's looking after winning right now. It would have been nice to get Craig Anderson the start in Ottawa, uh, being that he has such an illustrious history there. Yep. But they're looking at winning. They did not care. They wanted to play him back-to-back. -back. No, I'm looking forward to the Oilers game tonight because I want to see those new reverse retros. Really looking forward to those. I like those, the old the, oil drop. The new old. The new old, yeah. Reverse looking forward retros. to that. All right. That does it for us. Carolyn Cameron and the Hockey Central panel standing by. Maybe they will discuss the old... Uh, Maybe. I guess those are the Todd McFarlane ones, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Seds and Sabres, Ottawa, coming up. Enjoy game night, kids. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Carolyn, take it away.